So have you felt it? Have you felt the urge to prepare? Prepare for what lies ahead, whether it's physically or spiritually. Being prepared takes one step at a time. Are you being inspired? But where do you start and where do you go? This podcast is all about women sharing their wisdom to help other women be more prepared because when you are prepared, you shall not fear. So join us today and let's prepare together. Well, we want to welcome Janina Dodge out to the podcast today. And can I just tell you, I am so excited to have Janina because she has been such, I feel a mentor to me in my life and just her words and wisdom that she's been able to share. Um, I know you guys will all be so excited to be able to hear what she has to offer today. And I kind of feel that sometimes we have these experiences in our life so that we can help and bless others. And Janina, you have had quite um, the experience in your experiences in your life that now you can come, you know, even on this podcast and um, just let people know the experiences that you've had so that we can be blessed for when things happen. But first of all, I want to say, you know, what was it that made you kind of start to get into preparedness? Well, first of all, I was raised by great parents. Um, my dad grew up on a farm and really thought that it taught a lot of great lessons. And so he, he did try to raise us and teach us some of those same things. Um, my parents lived those skills of the old times. You know, my mom was um, bottling food and we gardened and they really just taught us those principles. So later as I was, got married um, and was on my own, after that, it was the spirit guiding me and teaching me. Um, when we were brand new married, I felt the urgency to get some food storage. And so I got just a small amount, right? Which is for if we had two kids and, and us that would last. And I thought, I'm just going to put this in the storeroom and call it good and not feel guilty and, and um, not worry about it again. But over the years, the spirit has just kept tutoring me and teaching me um, line upon line. And so I realized um, that it isn't just a one-time how that you're done, but it's more of a lifestyle and um, some true principles that the Lord wants us to live. Um, I think that's important to understand because there is a mentality out there of preppers being a negative, you know, crazy group or whatever. Uh, and I've definitely come across that the Lord has used me in callings as food ward and steak food storage person, um, as a specialist to, to help people prepare. And the urgency I felt through the spirit taught me more than, um, than anything else that I knew this was, was important. And it wasn't just important for my family, um, because the urgency I felt to get it out there and help others. And so I want people to understand that, that, you know, some think that if you live on faith, everything will be fine, but the Lord does care how prepared we are. He needs us because we're going to be uh, the reserves and the people prepared to, um, to still take care of others and to spread the gospel through that, those means. And so it's, it's part of a bigger, higher plan. Um, one of the quotes I came across by Marion G. Romney says, without self-reliance, one cannot exercise the innate desires to serve. How can we give as if there is nothing there? Food for the hungry cannot come from the empty shelves. Money to assist the needy cannot come from an empty purse. Support and understanding cannot come from the emotionally starved. 
Teaching cannot come from the unlearned. And most important of all, spiritual guidance cannot come from the spiritually weak. And so I just want people to understand that this isn't just something um, to do for just emergency situations, but really, truly a higher way of living so that we are able to be the Lord's hands and help others. You know, when you say that, I one of the famous sayings that I say to a lot of people is faith without works is dead. And so we can have as much faith as we want. And that is great. But if you don't put in the works, then it's dead. It's like, you know, you have to be able to put in your physical preparedness stuff. You have to do that. And I do feel that Heavenly Father will bless us however he feels in that moment and that in what we need. But if we don't come to the table too, if we don't put in our works, then there's only so far he can bless us because we haven't learned these principles along the way. And so I think that you really emulate that. What are some of these things that have tested you the most? Well, I think I have a unique experience of living through the Texas freeze last year. So um, I'll share that with you and we can kind of talk about some of the details and things that we went through and experienced. So we moved here just about two years ago from Utah and um, I'm used to snow and cold and so when I heard that a storm was coming, I really underestimated what that might mean. Um, I didn't go out and buy anything extra or prepare that way um, because I knew the Texans were nervous to drive on the snowy roads or worried about that, but I had that experience and so I wasn't nervous. So it actually became a really great testing opportunity for me because I didn't prepare exactly for that. Um, but then it, I got to see, was I prepared? And most emergencies or things that we're going to go through in life, we don't have a warning on. Yeah. Um, they come at us and we're either we're ready or we're not. Um, so how long before did they know that this ice storm was going to be coming in? They knew a couple of days before that there was going to be an ice storm and they've experienced enough to know that it can, it can cause some um, slowdown of, of, you know, things functioning, I guess. But, and so they were stocking up on bread and, and gas and things like that. So they were preparing, um, and we also living where we do in Texas now, um, just months before we were in a direct path of the hurricane. And so we had all kind of geared up and prepared just a couple months before. So luckily all my propane and gas tanks were full and, um, and those kind of things. So I felt like I was ready, even though I didn't prepare specifically for this. Um, but it turned out to be a hundred year storm. It was not something that they see very often. And um, it was more apocalyptic than anything I've ever seen. Uh, COVID shut things down and that was really eye-opening to see how dead the world was during COVID. But this, absolutely no one was moving. There was no trucks on the road, no cars, no one was out at all. And so it really was as if the world had stopped for a time. And it was five degree weather temperatures for like three days. And so everyone was kind of just cooped up for three days, um, not going anywhere. The roads were, were too uh, frozen with ice that we weren't driving anywhere. So everyone stopped working and was just at home with their families. Um, so that was probably my greatest opportunity to really just kind of test out where, how my preparedness, what, what level I was at. And, um, but the one interesting thing that kept going through my mind the whole time during this um, storm and, and this week that we were cooped up as a family, 
was this quote by Brigham Young. It said, if you are without bread, how much wisdom can you boast? And of what real utility are your talents? If you cannot procure for yourself and save against a day of scarcity, those substances designed to sustain your natural lives. And that just kept going over and over in my mind of all the things that we keep our lives busy with. And really it ultimately comes down to being wise and being able to take care of ourselves. So what do you feel that was the most um, like essentials to have during the storm? Well, definitely um, uh, in order, I will say heat was number one. Um, If you didn't have shelter and a place to stay warm, you would be dead within hours. Um, So I would say that was number one. And water was um, a very close second. Mm -hmm. And of course, food, but most people have um, food on their extra food in their shelves or fridge. And so that wasn't quite the stress as much as the heat and the water. So what did you have to do for your heat then? Because you said you had, did you get just enough propane and well, we live in the piney wood forest of Texas. So there are trees all around us. And so really the most practical thing for where we live are, is wood. Um, and a lot of homes, I think, have wood fireplaces because of that. So we have two wood burning fireplaces in our home, which were a huge blessing. We had them going full time um, through these this storm in these couple of days. But even with them going, they did not heat up our house like you would hope. Um, mm-hmm. So we still felt cold and um kind of had to bundle up through even with the fireplaces going so um winter gear was was kind of important we had um and not probably not many people in texas have winter gear absolutely did you get rid of all of your stuff when you moved there well i didn't but we had been here just long enough my kids grow so fast that um the funny thing is the Christmas before, just two months before I had felt really prompted to work on winter clothing. And so that's some of the stuff that they got for Christmas. And (laughs) they they, were like, mom, we're in Texas. Oh, they totally did. Liz, (laughs) they teasing me saying, well, we'll never use this because we live in Texas. And so like when this happened, they were apologizing and laughing, you know? Um, but that's the interesting thing. When you follow the, the promptings of the spirit, you're never wrong. You know, the Lord always knows more than we do. And because of that, um, we weren't, um, we were able to enjoy the snow more than others, but the others here are used to preparing for a hundred degree temperatures with hurricanes and power outages. So they are worried about keeping cool. And a lot of them did not have winter gear, um, you know, hats and, um, even coats to stay warm, things like that. And the gloves, uh, layers, we had thermals. So my, we were wearing thermals under our clothes in our home. Uh, because the temperatures were that, that uncomfortable, you know, to, to really be comfortable in your home. Um, other things we did were some like rice pack or warm pack, um, like hotties. And there's, there are some that you can boil in water and reheat. So there's options like that, that you can add into your emergency supplies. You didn't have any, did you have, you didn't have any electricity then, right? Just were you running on generators and Right. Um, most people were, and some power shut down for, you know, a day in, in one area, but others of our friends were out for a whole week. So it was, that was really just kind of the luck of the draw, I guess. I think um, when you're with preparedness stuff, it's like when a disaster happens, you have no clue about, you know, gas, you have no clue about electricity. You don't have any clue about water. It's like, you have to think about all different aspects of that. 
So true. We don't, we don't really go to the limits of, of what living like that would be in our minds. And so, yeah, really seeing what it's like to live without it or how, how would you do certain things is you don't really learn till you're in the situation sometimes. So what did you substitute for during the disaster then had to do differently? Um, well, definitely our cooking was different. Um, I had butane and sternotypes fuel for cooking indoors. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to learn and grow through this opportunity. So I was cooking on my open fires and I used my Dutch oven in my fireplace and was just testing out some of the supplies I had and how well it would do on an open fire and, and see if I needed to get anything different that way. Um, that's how they cooked in the olden days. So I feel like that's probably the long-term solution. And I want to know how to do that. Um, others were cooking on um, barbecue grills out in the cold. And so that wasn't really the ideal situation in five degree temperatures. So having some indoor cooking was, was really important and nice to have. Um, also being able to kind of dry and warm our clothes by the fire. You know, I had um, a rack, kind of a drying rack that's portable. So a lot of people will hang their clothes outside, but having something portable like that, that you can put right by the fire to dry off was nice to have. Maybe I shouldn't get rid of my portable clothes hanger then that I've had for years. Do not. (laughs) (laughs) I think that will be very valuable. Actually interesting. I didn't anticipate needing it, but was having paper plates for a disaster. The water that was coming out of our faucet was ice cold. And so my hands did not like being in the water very long to do dishes. And so having paper plates it minimized your need of water. It minimized the workload that you're doing when you're already kind of, you know, doing things at a whole different level than you already are. It was, that was a little bit of a, um, just kind of peaceful opportunity <laughs> instead of a stressful opportunity, just to be able to throw you away. Know, some- I kind of think of that when I was younger, my mom used to get paper plates all the time because she was a working mom. There's a whole bunch of kids and she's like, I just don't want to have to do all those dishes. And I think when you think of emergencies, we're kind of in that situation that we, if there's things that can make it a little bit easier. And if we have like those paper goods stocked away that we can use, then that would just make the disaster and the emergencies just a little bit easier. Cause we're going to have to eat and we're going to have to feed our kids, right. but doing the extra step of having to do the dishes all the time that can be probably a little bit more stressful. So I'm going to put that on my list to make sure that I go and get those paper plates. Cause that is a really good idea. Yeah. It made me want to store more than I already have. So what did you do for the, um, you said for like cooking and food and stuff, you just cooked it in the fire. Is that what you did? Or was there other ways that you did it too? You know, I did use, um, so I have a solar oven and we couldn't cook with that. That's based on the sunshine, not the temperature outside, but the sunshine. So those first couple of days were so cloudy, um, and, and cold that I couldn't pull that out yet. So we cooked inside in the fire those first couple of days, but after the sun came out, it was still really cold, like 15 degrees outside, but the sun was shining. And so I used my solar oven and cooked the meals that way and kind of practiced that way. Um, we also have a rocket stove. And so I kind of got my family involved and, and had them help lighting fire and just kind of testing some of their skills with some of my younger boys and cooking things in all the different ways. So with these different ways that you did your cooking, 
What do you feel that was the most practical that somebody who's getting into preparedness, what do you think would be the most practical thing for them to be able to cook on? You know, well, like, what do you start with? And, you know, kind of what are some other options that are just more practical for people? Um, hands down, you need to have a Dutch oven. Every person should have a Dutch oven. That's, that's what they cooked with in the old times, right? You can take that with you and make a fire anywhere you go. So if you had to leave your home or um, had a big journey or, I mean, what, no matter what the scenario is, you can cook on with coals. Like we have charcoal sto- stored for our Dutch oven. Um, you can use your Dutch oven in your oven. I mean, it's just an all-purpose um, tool to have. Um, and then if you want some other setup, like the rocket stove minimizes your amount of fuel. You can cook with just branches and twigs and create a hot fire to cook on your, in your Dutch oven. So those are probably the two that if I had to, to leave my home and like not have all the things I've prepared, um, if I just was minimal, those were are two things I probably would make sure I have. The solar oven's awesome, but it's big. And it's only going to work on days where the sun's out. So that is a, an extra resource, but not an only resource, if that makes sense. You know, when I was looking for um, pressure cookers, I actually consulted with your mom and I was like, what would be the best pressure cooker? And I didn't get the electric ones, the new ones that are, you know, the, that they're all trying to tell everybody to get okay. right now. <laughs> you know, I actually got one that you put on your stove because... I knew that I was buying it for emergency purposes and I could put it over a fire and then after bringing it up to heat, just wrap it up with some towels and then that could cook my food inside because in these disasters, like you said, the, the sun oven is great, but it's limited also. Mm -hmm. And you want to have something that you can cook with all the time. And like that Dutch oven or the pressure cooker, something like that, that can go on the, in the fire and it'll be okay. Because a lot of times we, you know, we want to buy, we spend money and we buy these things on gadgets and stuff, but they're not always the most practical. And so, yeah, that Dutch oven, everyone can get a Dutch oven. Everyone can. Let me add one other option as well, in case um, others, you know, just want to, have another idea, um, a thermal cooker. So that I have one called the Saratoga Jacks and we use that even not in an emergency. So as we were traveling across the country to go back to Utah and visit family, it's a way to maybe, you know, just with a little butane stove or something that you camping. So cook, warm up something in the morning and then it cooks all day while you're traveling and you have dinner ready whenever and it cooks you in it. Isn't it that, that it cooks like in a, um, like kind of like a cooler kind of thing. Isn't that what that is? It's like a cooler concept, more of like a thermos concept where you put it in and it's going to kind of maintain the temperature. So you, you would spend like 15 minutes bringing something to a boil and then let it sit the rest of the day and it will cook for you. So beans that take an hour and a half of fuel, um, that is how I plan to cook my beans is to just start them to boil and then let them sit. And they, I will conserve fuel that way and then also have food ready you know, if we're busy working and stuff and I don't have an hour of time right then. So there's actually a lady that my husband ran into that, um, she invented one of those and we will eventually have her on the podcast too. So that will be, people have to then come back and hear about your story 
so that they can see how you were able to um, cook some of these things with the, ther with the thermal stuff, the thermal heat. Um, were there any other issues that you came across that you were not expecting? Okay, so some that weren't expected were um, the communication. I guess that should be expected. The communications were terrible. And in Utah, you live pretty close to the neighbors that you um, want to check on and be in touch with. And out here, some of the people that we want to check on are 40 minutes away. So not being able to um, be in touch through your phones or whatever, and, and not being able to get to them um, was kind of eye-opening as far as the fact that we need to be prepared in our own homes because help may not be able to get to you. Um, so communication was a problem. Um, also those who had like CPAP machines or needed oxygen, um, and not having power for that, that was something that needs to be anticipated for people as well. Um, one that was interesting was my, a friend of mine, her husband is a surgeon. And so I just kind of asked her from the medical perspective, if there was anything unique. And she said, it was actually very surprising how vulnerable the hospital was. She said the pipes broke and were leaking from the ceiling. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, there was, there was no water, so they couldn't flush toilets and it got really smelly. Um, the hospital didn't have any backup resources as far as food and stuff. So the CEO went to Sam's club and bought peanut butter to just keep the cafeteria <laughs> going. Um, and so that helped to them realize, you know, the community is going to, the food in the community will be devoured quickly. So it's important that it's in our homes and that we're preparing ahead of time for those kind of things. So um, those who had generators upgraded afterwards, those who had fuel, a little bit of fuel, bought um, whole cords of, of wood. <laughs> Everybody learned that even though they had some of these supplies, it was not enough, even water. Some were kind of, um, many, many people went without water and had to, or even had to boil the water that they had because of, of what happened with all the pipes breaking. Um, so some were smart and filled up bathtubs with water before it happened. And then they were able to still flush toilets with that. And others were pumping, trying to figure out ways to pump in water from outside so they didn't have to carry it so far. Um, so that was interesting, but water is one of those things we underestimate how it's just delivered to our homes in faucets. And we just did take you it. have to, did you have to worry about water at all? Or was your water all, all okay during this process? We were given the um, boil water um, issue. So we still had water, but we were told to boil it. And luckily I have a Berkey. So mm -hmm. I wasn't really concerned about the germs and the things that um, might affect others. So that was just another test, right? We were, we were set up for water. We were set up to cook food. We had some heat sources. Um, so it's just kind of good to go through those in your mind and say, what would we do for that? Right. Yeah. Well, it was a definitely learning opportunity for you and your family. It really was. <laughs> now I know that I, I have a lot of kids and it's still always a lot of craziness that's happening around my house, even when we're not having an emergency or a disaster. What was the atmosphere at your house? Because I know you also have a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing was, it could have been a time where it was really stressful and hard and a lot of anxiety. Um, but luckily it was a fun time for us. 
because we had these tools and these skills, um, we were enjoying the time together doing these things and um, playing games and laughing. And because we had those winter clothes, we were out sledding behind the truck on those snowy roads where no one else in Texas was out doing that. Um, so it was a great time in our home. And even one of my friends, she said, because we had prepared these items, we were blessed to have it be a bonding experience rather than emergency. And so we're really blessed that we've been taught in our church to prepare for, for such things. Um, I live out here where there's a lot of other churches that they're, and they're saying, how come our churches aren't telling us this? Why aren't they telling us to be prepared? And they're asking me questions and just don't understand that. And so I just think that's another blessing that we um, don't always realize that we have. So what are some of the lessons that you learned, do you feel, in this whole emergency disaster experience that you had? Um, some of the, the ones that stand out the most, um, well, our church is really good at responding to disasters. And, I, and so I think a lot of times people expect to just be taken care of, right? FEMA will come in or the church will deliver supplies. Well, the church sent water um, uh, they sent truckloads full of water bottles and cases of that, but it was a week and a half after the storm and that, that it got here. And so and by nobody that, can survive a week and a half without water. Right. And by that time we were past, we were getting the water back on and the power back on. And so as great as that was really the emergency happens and nobody can get there fast enough. Um, and so through this Texas freeze, and then the year before, just exactly a year before was the COVID lockdown where they were shutting, you know, everyone was supposed to kind of stay home and, and not go anywhere. And some of the, the things that were allowed were only allowed in our homes, like spiritually, if we had those um, abilities. And I just have realized through those two experiences that we really literally are dependent on what we have provided for ourselves, both physically and spiritually, that we, those uh, blessings will be only available sometimes if we have done that for ourselves, because we couldn't give those things to others. We couldn't reach people in need physically and other things we couldn't do for them spiritually. Yep. And heavenly father can't use you unless you actually have it yourself. Absolutely. So one friend of mine, she's not um, a member of our church. Um, and during this Texas freeze, she had to move in with family and stayed there the whole week. And, and she, um, has since then gotten very into preparedness and she's learning all sorts of skills and gathering mm -hmm. stuff that I hated that feeling of being so dependent on somebody else. She said, next time this happens, I'm going to be the one able to help people. And I love that. That's really, truly the vision of not just having it for ourselves, but being able to be the one to help. You know, I just feel that um, because we're going through, even with all this COVID stuff that we're going through, it's giving people an opportunity to look how they can take care of their health, how they can take care of their physical, you know, like things that they're at the house, um, you know, how they can prepare for, you know, school needs for their kids. I think it's just opening a gateway for so many people. Yes. Our, our church has taught this um, to us for a very long time and continue to teach it over the pulpit all the time. But I think that this now is expanding to everybody's being affected. It doesn't matter who you are. 
you're being affected and that you're starting to wake up to the idea of being more prepared, whether that is physically prepared or spiritually prepared, you know, a variety of ways of being prepared. And so even though we are going through some of these really hard things, it, uh, if we look at it, it could also be a blessing that it's a opening all of our eyes to, um, what could be and what we can do. Absolutely. So I'm glad that you're doing this, Liz. Um, I think more and more people are ready to learn and, um, and need people who have kind of done that already and figured it all out and can share that knowledge. So, well, and there's so many moms out there that they just, they want to do it. They just don't know where to start. And I know there's a huge community out there of, of moms that I just even know have so much wisdom to share with people. And one thing is good about you, Janina, is you are just so well-rounded with um, preparedness. And so I want to have you on another time. We're going to take up your time some other time and going to be talking about um, more preparedness stuff because you have a wealth of knowledge that I know that you love to teach and to be able to share and to bless other people. I would love that. I I do want to help as many people as possible. And sometimes knowing how and where to do that is the question. So I'd be grateful. Yeah. But now we have a platform to be able to do that. So, well, thank you, Janina, for sharing your experience today. And, you know, we might not have an ice storm um, (laughs) that we're going through right now, but we'll, we have other things coming and that we could just swap that out and you could take all of these things that she has taught you today to kind of, really think about and you know i have paper plates on my list of what i need to do also it's like you know i don't need to store charcoal i don't have the charcoal because my dutch oven isn't going to do me any good and so just by you giving us these little reminders and little tidbits of things that you have learned is going to bless all of our lives so thank you for coming on today and we are blessed from hearing about your experience Thanks so much, Liz. All right. See you later. Bye. All right. We need your wisdom, your experience, and your love. So click on over to preparewithustoday.com and let's prepare together. We cannot stop the disasters ahead, but we can fortify our cities by putting up watchmen, building strong forts, dig ditches, strengthen our armies, and arm ourselves with power. Because when you are prepared, then you can be used to bless others. So let's do this together.